Let's find ourselves at the point we left off in the last class. And we were just talking about Lahrimasha entering into that golden palace. This is page 302, if you are reading along with us from this book. And he enters in and it's just dazzling and it's beautiful and there's rubies and there's sapphires and there's emeralds everywhere. And, you know, we were talking about how there's this one desire, but you enter into that desire and then there are a million <coughs> more desires that could be birthed and created. And that's why it's an interesting, um, this chant that we went through. I don't know if you realized or tuned into it, but it was a conversation between the devotee and God or Guru. You know, the devotee says, desire my great enemy is surrounding me everywhere. You know, what should I do? It's giving me a lot of trouble. And the devotee naturally starts to feel that way. You know, there is this, there are these two schools of thoughts, aren't there? One is like desires, what's the big deal? You know, fulfill them, it's okay. And of course, on a very mundane level, that's the only thing that drives people. If they didn't have desires, they wouldn't ascend. I mean, if everybody was just like saying, Kya karna, koi farak nahi par desires ka, nobody's going to want to innovate, nobody's going to want to recreate, nobody's going to want to invent and uplift even our physical lives. So from that perspective, the desires certainly help direct the growth projection of most souls. But for the devotee, he starts to feel that that, that desire, the restlessness, because that's what they are, right? Remember, vrittis, whirlpools of prana, whirlpools of energy that somewhere in the past we kind of spun into motion. But now that's all inside and the more sensitive a devotee gets, the more he starts to feel those whirlpools. And even though there is not enough outwardly that's drawing him, but he feels surrounded nonetheless. His shashumna is surrounded by those whirlpools, those vrittis of desires, and it's giving me lots of trouble because it's not allowing me fully to take that prana and allow it to ascend because those, the magnetic pull of those whirlpools are stronger. So in our meditations, that's why we are restless. That's why thoughts come all over the place because the moment we interiorize the energy, if there's any vritti, even if it's subconscious, but it's strong in you, that's where that life force goes because the magnetic pull of the kutasta is not strong enough yet to draw that energy up. But of course, the devotee says, you know, if I just withdraw into your castle of peace, when I go into the shushumna, there I'm safe. But as long as I'm in the ira and the pingla, as long as I'm trying to get there, I'm still being troubled. And what does the divine say? And the devotee's question is, what will be my fate? Oh Lord, tell me. Will I ever, you know, what's going to happen? Am I ever going to overcome this? Is this always going to bother me? And the Lord's response is, pranayam be thy religion. Let that will to de redirect your prana, redirect the energy, withdraw the very force that enlivens those vrittis. Let that be your religion. Let that be your salvation, you know. What's the last one? Control the little pranayam. The little prana inside you become all-pervading pranayam. Because everything's just energy. Everything's just pure energy. If you learn how to control and master that energy inside you, then the whole universe becomes to you an open book 
available to you to redirect in any way you choose. We won't need to fear, fear anymore. anything anymore. No more fear, no more worries, no more troubles. But that's not a state easily achieved, is it? As we can see here, Babaji has achieved this state. If you and I achieve this state and we say we can control everything, we'd probably control it a lot for our own egoic pleasure. So that's why we're not able yet to control the all-pervading pranayama. But from there was this golden palace manifested. And that's what Lahiri Mahashaya now asks. Brother, the beauty of this structure surpasses the bounds of human imagination. Please tell me the mystery of its origin. And then the disciple goes on. We're not going to read all of it because a lot of what's being said here was shared in the law of miracles. You remember that whole chapter which was like so scientific, how light travels and you know how gravity works and how those particles and wave realities function. But you know the same thing, everything's thought, thoughts quicken, that's the vibration of Om. As Om gets more and more gross, it starts to move down the elemental chain from ether to air to fire to water to earth eventually solidifying. But there's this one little paragraph here that relates to this um, chant we just did. Before, you wanted to say something? Yes, okay. before we move forward, there is here a line. I always wonder why Yogananda chose to share a few sentences and why he didn't others. I mean, the fact that there are sentences that say so much, for example, this is one that last night I was thinking, mm, so interesting how we can see a little bit more uh, Lahiri Mahashaya's person, not personality, but the way to approach enjoyment. And he says here, like Lahiri Mahashaya said, I uttered a few ejaculations of wonderment. And I was visualizing Lahiri Mahashaya like, wow, <laughs> and so beautiful, <gasps> like really absorbing that beauty within himself in every pore, every cell of his being. And I was thinking, this is the right approach to spirituality. When you feel relaxed enough to even express and to share that beauty and be surprised and in wonder by God's beauty. I mean, if Lahiri Mahashaya here, you know, has the, I don't know, if he Complete, just like yeah, freedom completely to... freedom to just say, you know, this is so beautiful. Sometimes we see people approach to spirituality. We feel the more advanced spiritually we are, the more solemn we are, and the more serious, and I don't want to enjoy this, I don't want to say that, I don't want to get involved into this. But then we have here, Lahiri Mahashaya, like a little child, <gasps> wow, and look at this, and look at that, and look at these stones, and look at these gems, and, and I was thinking, I love this guy. You know, <laughs> he just brings out the different approach how to enjoy the spiritual path, even in moments when you are fulfilling your desires, yet you are detached from it, but you still participate in the process. You recognize beauty when there is. Being one with the infinite, all-accomplishing will, 
Babaji can summon the elemental atoms to combine and manifest themselves in any form. This golden palace instantaneously created is real even as the earth is real. Babaji created this palatial mansion out of his mind and is holding its atoms together by the power of his will, even as God created this earth and is maintaining it intact. When this structure has served its purpose, Babaji will dematerialize it. Now, when you read something like this, you're like, oh, wow, you know, like, when am I going to get that kind of power? But the truth is, this is what we do with our bodies. You know, this is it, our golden palace right here. Our very soul power is what builds this body around us, what holds these atoms together, which draws from the universe those same free atoms, as he called them. And by the power of our will, and what's this will? It's the will of our desire, it's the will of us expressing, it's the will of our growth, it's the will of us wanting to continue to evolve. That forces us to weave body after body, body after body. This body is not some God saying, body or body and you know, some sort of a uh, little lottery system going on. You create based on those vrittis based on the flow of energy inside you, based on the absolute will. Those who in a previous incarnation were obsessed with beauty, they are able to weave a very beautiful body in this incarnation because that's the energy that they put out. Those who were you know, obsessed with power and fame and fortune, they have woven an entire lifetime based on that. And when it has served its purpose, what happens to our bodies? Do we hold them intact forever and ever and ever? No. When it served its purpose, it too dematerializes. Not in the way that Babaji will dematerialize this golden palace, because we've not understood the secret yet. Our problem is that our will is not yet one with the all-accomplishing will. However, it is a part of the all-accomplishing will. So we do it a little bit more I don't know if the right word is subconsciously, but from a level that's a little hidden to our own minds. But we do it nonetheless. You are manifesting your life, not God. You've put into motion energy that has built the home you live in, that has built the circumstances that you have. It is all your materialization. And it's important for us to accept that, kind of take charge of that, own that, and then realize, wait a minute, is it now still serving me my higher purpose? And that's the key element here. Babaji and the great ones, they know when something needs to be materialized, when it needs to be taken away, when energy needs to be given, when it needs to be withdrawn. That's the part we've not figured out. And that is pranayam. Control the energy. When it goes out, when you need to withdraw it. When you have to manifest, when you have to dematerialize. That's the power we are trying to ascertain. We're trying to intuit. But claim some of that power. Don't just say, oh, you know, ek din aega jab main You're already doing it. You're already manifesting so many things. You're just not doing it in accordance to the infinite will. Right now we're doing it in accordance to those vrittis. Whichever vritti has more energy, it's the one that directs the life kind of circumstance and 
manifestation but it's just helpful for us not to separate ourselves from this very process why yogananda ji has written this over here is not to show us how great baba ji is but to show us what the principle of manifestations are and how baba ji having understood the principles could completely be in charge of those principles we don't know not knowing the principles kind of haphazardly sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes are you know great things happen sometimes horrible things happen but all of them are linked to you not to some you know far away being pulling the strings of your life you were talking i mean here it's talking about the structure i mean something material something physical in a sense of the structure of a palace you were talking about the structure of our body our physical bodies that at some point also they will vanish but you know there are so structures in our lives that we have built you know the structure of our relationship uh, the structure of our business our company the structure of our own home the houses we live in uh, the structure of i don't know how many other things could be and sometimes um, we need to lose them because if they are not fulfilling the purpose to teach us the lessons we have to learn they just need to go away and this process happens uh, due to two reasons one is when we don't get it when we don't get it so there is a higher power that needs to step in and take it away and that's when we wonder why this happened to me you know this is so unfair you know i i don't know why this is happening when something unexpected when some structure of your life when a setting that you are in collapses suddenly so there there is a reason there there is you know the hidden hand of babaji perhaps trying to teach us something but there are other times and that's what many of us as yogis are trying to develop where we try to understand within ourselves when a situation needs to be changed and we do something about it before the law of karma steps in and make it drastic make it dramatic so i was thinking last night that the purpose of the practice of kriya yoga or any meditation technique give us the awareness to understand when certain structures of our lives need to be redirected need to be changed need to be given away need to be you know let them go off without the pain of it because sometimes when a structure when a structure goes away unexpectedly it causes pain pain so something that we should also scan our life and see what are those structures that we are putting a unnecessary attachment to to them and and see if we need to change a little bit our approach to it then as lahiri masha continues walking through the palace he says a submerged desire hidden in my subconsciousness from lives now gone seemed simultaneously gratified 
and extinguished. Where is this? This is page 304. Okay, got it. And that's what we were just telling before. Most of our desires, while getting satisfied, don't get extinguished. Sometimes they get stronger. Sometimes they get redirected into something else. And that's something we need to learn how to work on. Anytime a desire comes, try to really feel, <laughs> you know, having received this, is that corresponding vritti, is that corresponding magnetic pull of that desire truly gone? Or is it changed its form or has it gotten stronger? You get a little money, now you want more. <laughs> you get one, you know, little car, now you want a larger car. You get a relationship that's working well and then you want every relationship to always be harmonious and always work well for us and so on and so forth. And we just keep building upon that same energy pattern and not realizing that the job's the other way around. Ah, oh, all right, this happened. You know, that says, this is it. I got that little satisfaction. Let me not continue to give energy in this direction, if at all possible. And that's what allowed. It's almost, you can say, I mean, this is pure speculation here. But Babaji allowed Lahiri Mahashaya to walk through the Golden Palace and just see. Is he going to build more desires? Because that's what... I would do. <laughs> you know, I walk through a golden palace. Oh, if only I was a king or oh, all I need is one ruby and the ashram will be so successful and we'll never have to fundraise again and so on and so forth. But Lahiri Mahashaya walked through this amazing palace, just saw absolutely everything. And at the end of it all, he felt both the desire satisfied, gratified and extinguished. And Babaji didn't lead him through this process. Babaji was somewhere else and he allowed Lahiri Mahashaya. We all know the story of, um, who is it now? I think it might be Raja Janaka himself with uh, yeah, Sukhadev, yeah. no? With the, with the oil, like go around the entire palace and make sure you don't drop this, uh, even a single drop of oil. And Sukhadev goes and he's like, oh, you know, really worried. And he's like paying close attention to the oil and he, doesn't see anything of the palace by the time the whole thing is done. And Raja Janaka says, well, you know, here you are like so worried about this whole thing and I'm living in this entire palace and it doesn't touch me at all. And this is the exact reality that Lahiri Masha, who he was then, is living now. He could just go through it all and that's it. And that's what made him ready. Not to receive Kriya, because in this particular case, Lahiri Mahashaya didn't need to receive Kriya, but be the channel for Kriya Yoga, for perhaps this yoga cycle. And that was something that Babaji probably just saw, just allowed that to happen. And that's happening with us in our lives. We go around life and we just keep, oh, this desire seems good and this desire seems good and this thing would be really good in my pocket and this relationship would be the perfect if only I could be like those other people <coughs> are so on and so forth and so then the great ones just have to wait and then they can't give us direct initiation and they can't give us that grace directly so finally when this whole process is over you have anything to add? Babaji, now he finally finds Babaji in this whole process he gets there, Babaji says Lahiri, are you still feasting on your dream desires? For a golden palace, you're just testing. Where are you? 
My guru's eyes were twinkling like his own sapphires. Wake, all your earthly thirsts are about to be quenched forever. He murmured some mystic words of blessing. My son, arise, receive your initiation into the kingdom of God through Kriya Yoga. Babaji stretched out his hand, a home or sacrificial fire appeared, surrounded by fruits and flowers. I received the liberating yogic technique before this flaming altar. For those of us who've been to several Kriya initiations, or at least one, it's nice to see here Master mentioning the fruits and the flowers because it's such an important or symbolic element of the ceremony itself. And um, in fact, Paramahansa Yogananda, our guru, said that the initiation that he created is as close as he could to what he heard of how Babaji did it <coughs> with Lahiri Mahashaya in terms of that whole process that those of us who are Kriyabans also followed. So just a nice sweet little reminder that we're still continuing in that same flow. We may or may not have had a golden palace, we may or may not have extinguished all our earthly desires yet, but that's what Kriya is for. That's what it's helping us do daily. So then we continue forward. The initiation is over. Larry Masha is in bliss. He's roaming around. He gets back to where those caves were. And when he looks back, the palace is gone, dematerialized. And he says, yeah, the, or Babaji says, the purpose for which the palace was created has now been served. He lifted an earthen vessel from the ground. Put your hand there and receive whatever food you desire. As soon as I touched the broad, empty bowl, it became heaped with hot butter-fried luchis. This is the Bengali version of the puri. Luchis, curry, and rare sweet meats. So that's uh, yeah, that was what was in Lahiri Mahashaya's mind, we can think of. The moment he touched, he was thinking of luchis and curry and sweet meats. I helped myself, observing that the vessel was ever filled. At the end of my meal, I looked around for water. My guru pointed to the bowl before me. Lo, the food had vanished. In its place was water clear as from a mountain stream. Few mortals know that the kingdom of God includes the kingdom of mundane fulfillments, Babaji observed. The divine realm extends to the earthly, but the latter, being illusory, cannot include the essence of reality. These are one of those tiny little, you know, nuggets for each of us to, I don't know what the right word is, but meditate on and attune to. Because on the surface it seems, oh, okay, <laughs> the kingdom of God includes everything. So, you know, chalo, let's, you know, get those hot luchis and let's get those curries that we all desire. But we have to tune into how that process works. And that's where what we were just talking about prior to it. In the Bible, Christ puts it in these words. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything comes as a part of this desire for God. Once, because when we set our goal, 
our sights on that highest goal, on that infinite power, everything is a part of it. And that is where all our desires actually get aligned. And because they get aligned, and as we were talking about in a previous class, every desire must be fulfilled, one way or the other, whether internally through just the use of your own prana or externally. But when all of them align in that one flow upward, everything starts to manifest in your life. And everything means everything. And it's important to also tune into that, that don't push your desires away as always being something bad or negative. Meditate on them and try to find where they exist in relationship to that upward flow. And oftentimes, the divine uses your very desire to help you set on the path towards freedom. Because it's all just Him. It's all just one reality. But it takes a certain refinement of consciousness and it takes a certain detachment. Otherwise, as we were saying, the cycle just perpetuates. It just goes on and on and on and on. And we don't ever get to that goal that we've set ourselves. We just get lost right here. So if, as Christ said, you seek first the kingdom of God, and by first he means only, then everything shall be added unto you. But if you say, I'll seek God and also hope that everything gets added unto me, well, that gets a little tricky. <laughs> Beloved Guru, last night you demonstrated for me the link of beauty in heaven and earth. I smiled at memories of the vanished palace. Surely no simple yogi had ever received initiation into the august mysteries of spirit amidst surroundings of more impressive luxury. I gazed tranquilly at the stark contrast of the present scene. The gaunt ground, the sky roof, the caves offering primitive shelter, all seemed a gracious natural setting for the seraphic saints around me. And Larry Marshes, looking at those two contrasts, just being initiated in a golden palace now, and then suddenly nothing, opposite. the absolute opposite, just a couple of caves, only the ground. And just seeing how duality plays right there before him. But for him, it means absolutely nothing. Nor was the golden palace, oh my goodness, if only I could have held on to it a little while longer. Nor is this you know, really stark. Sometimes we're even attached to our own renunciation. Oh, you know, I'm really this way and I get up at this time and I, I always take a cold shower. And, you know, we just get all excited about the fact that we're such renunciates. But neither of the two really exists in reality. It exists is what Lahiri Masha is experiencing now. Bless center. and joy at the very center of his being. I sat that afternoon on my blanket hallowed by associations of past life realizations. My divine guru approached and passed his hand over my head. I entered the Nirvikalpa Samadhi state, remaining unbrokenly in it, in its bliss for seven days. I like, like, this is already the second time that Babaji 
passes his hand over Lahiri Mahashaya's head. Just, one was a touch. Yeah, one was a touch. Now again, just a very sweet gesture between Guru and disciple. Surprising, like seven days he's like in there. Yeah. Later on he talks about it, but the first time I read is like, you know, what's all his office people going to talk about? He's just disappeared and nobody's seen him for like seven days now. Crossing the successive strata of self-knowledge, I penetrated the deathless realms of reality. All delusive limitations dropped away. My soul was fully established on the eternal altar of cosmic spirit. On the eighth day, I fell at my Guru's feet and implored him to keep me always near him in this sacred wilderness. Now that's the most natural you know, response of a disciple. And more so after you've just had this, you know, mind-blowing, yeah. amazing experience from the very beginning, starting with your initiation and then just entering into samadhi, almost you know, effortlessly, just thanks to the Guru's gentle touch. <laughs> All of us would fall at Babaji's feet and say, don't, don't ever do leave me, me. <laughs> don't send me back. Keep me here, please, 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 please. And uh, what was Babaji's response to Lahiri? And this is really, um, you can say, what changed the course of all of our lives. Each of us, Kriyabans, disciples, each of us seeking that truth through this path. This is it. This is the moment that changed it all for us. My son, Babaji said, embracing me. It's sweet, huh? Embracing me. So it's just a wonderful image. Your role in this incarnation must be played on an outward stage. Prenatally blessed by many lives of lonely meditation, you must now mingle in the world of men. Now, of course, in Lahiri Mahasaya's case, that's, uh, you know, that makes obvious sense. But I would also like to point out, in our own lives, many of us living yogi lifestyles within cities, within householder realities, within business and, you know, company settings, within everything that this world has to offer. We too have been all prenatally blessed with many lives of lonely meditation. Maybe not to the, you know, <laughs> to the intensity at which Lahiri Mahashaya had received and freed himself prior to already this incarnation, but certainly that fact that that desire exists inside us, that even from the moment each of us have engaged with this world, we felt that one thing missing and having returned back to our path, suddenly we feel, ah, oh, finally, you know, this was it. This is what I've been kind of dissatisfied by my entire life until I got to this very moment suggests to us that each of us have had incarnations as yogis somewhere in some obscure cave up in the Himalayas, somewhere in a forest, already practicing certain austerities, already disciplined enough, although not quite yet, <laughs> to at least be very serious about our sadhanas. But we too, in this incarnation, need to mingle in the world of men, whether for our own selves, whether perhaps if through this incarnation, we can also offer, like Lahiri Masha, uh, an example of sorts. Wouldn't that be a blessing? A deep purpose underlay the fact that you did not meet me this time, 
until you were already a married man with modest business responsibilities. You must put aside your thoughts of joining our secret band in the Himalayas. Your life lies in the crowded marts, serving as an example of the ideal yogi householder. Ideal yogi householder. I think that's right now today, 99% of who we would call yogis in the world or yogis that exist are probably all householders in one form or the other, relating fully to the world as much as is required of them. There's an interesting uh, stories that come out you know, from a lot of our devotees who have been with us a little while now, that they all found the autobiography right after they got married or just before they and got married and, and they weren't, you know, they got inspired but they weren't quite sure and, and then they tell us, you know, in secret, don't tell anybody else, but had I got, you know, had I done this even a year before, I probably wouldn't have gotten married. You know, I probably would have tried my best to live a, a life where I could just give myself fully to God. But that's not what Babaji wanted. So it was arranged just perfectly that the person had to get married and then find the autobiography or come onto the path just at that transition period. Because just like Lahiri Masha, there was a reason you did not come to me earlier and you only came after you were married, after you had a family, after you had responsibilities, because that's what is needed now. Each of us need to become that ideal householder. Narayani and I many times share with our friends that, you know, we're going, we're the minority, you're the majority, you're the ones who will be the real example for the world by going to work every day, by doing well at what you do, by living the life that we call worldly or we call materialistic or we call outward and still loving God just as much, still going deeper and deeper into your meditation, still exp experiencing more and more bliss. That's the example the world needs. Not the example of Narayani and I where we just had the karma where we didn't have to engage so much with the world. Even then, as Bra you know, starting as Brahmachari and Brahmacharinis, even that God didn't fully allow because this works better. Because this is also a much more balanced example for others. And so on and so forth. And so what each of you are doing is so much more powerful than what we are doing. What you are doing is setting, like Lahiri Mahashaya, into practice on the course of exactly what Babaji wants for this age. You are Lahiri Mahashaya's descendants in the truest sense. You've taken up his banner. You're doing exactly what he did. Isn't that an honor? Isn't that the greatest responsibility you'd love to fulfill? So embrace it and seize everything and know that Babaji's not made a mistake and know that there was no, if only I had come earlier or if only some circumstance was different. This is it. This is what's expected of you. This is your mission in this life, to be that ideal householder yogi. Embrace it, seize it. And then the grace will be there, just like Lahiri Mahashaya did. He could have easily said, no, Babaji, please, please don't send me back. You know, I'm just done with that. Now that I know God's the only reality, why should I, why would I need to go back? But 
No, he knew this was it. His guru has spoken and so has your guru spoken through your life. Giving you a little opportunity, a little window every now and then. I think that was very well said. <laughs> the cries of many bewildered worldly men and women have not fallen unheard on the ears of the great ones. He, he went on, you have been chosen to bring spiritual solace through Kriya Yoga to numerous earnest seekers. The millions who are encumbered, who are encumbered, that's the word, who are encumbered by family ties and heavy worldly duties will take new heart from you, a householder like themselves. Think of these are words that Babaji is speaking to you because this is exactly what he's doing right now. You must guide them to see that the highest yogic attainments are not barred to the family man. Even in the world, the yogi who faithfully discharges his responsibilities without personal motive or attachment treads the sure path of enlightenment. This is the exact same message of the Bhagavad Gita. Fulfill your dharma, be detached, from that process, put in no personal motive, which is pure nishkam karma, and that's it. And you tread the sure path to enlightenment. Now, Babaji was Krishna, so of course he's going to say the same words he always did. But this is it. This is what it boils down to. Every scripture that we're now tuning into, especially as Yogananda said, the Gita is the scripture for this particular age just because it mirrors perfectly that transition then from Dwapar to Kali and now from Kali to Dwapar. So this is what we need. Fulfill and discharge faithfully your responsibilities. Don't run from them. Don't hide. Don't push them. Don't resist them. But do it without personal motive. That's where it gets really tricky. And detachment. And then you tread the sure path to enlightenment. No necessity compels you to leave the world, for inwardly you have already surrendered its every karmic tie. So this is Babaji telling Lahiri Masha, you don't, there's nothing you need to gain from this process. So he's not talking to us here. This is specifically to Lahiri Masha. You don't need to gain anything. All and every karma you've ever created, it's over. You're free. <clears throat> not of this world, you must yet be in it. Many years still remain during which you must conscientiously fulfill your family, business, civic and spiritual duties. I like these three, these four, four. kind of um, divisions of our duties. Babaji expects Lahiri Mahashaya to fulfill all four. He's not saying, go there and just show them how you can only be spiritual and you can only be meditating and that's it and inspire them that way. No. Fulfill your family duties. Provide for your wife and your children. Ensure that they are taken care of. Ensure that they are loved. Ensure that they feel encouraged. They feel supported. That's your family duty. Your business duty. Do well at what you do. Fulfill your business duty. Work conscientiously. Show up when you need to show up. Don't fight it. Be a good employee, employer, you know, owner, whatever it is. 
your civic duty to help society, to help others, help uplift them, do as much as you can to help uplift others, and then your spiritual duties as well. Taking all the energy that you've awakened through these outward activities, you're then able to channel that and finally offer it all to God. This is where, while performing these three other duties, you're able finally to transform them into not being personally involved and being detached. Where we, through the Kriya practice, which is its key purpose of Kriya, is the ability to offer up to God all those vrittis, offer up into the flames of infinity, all that karma, all that you've done every day, cleanse yourself, give it back to Him who created you. I was just thinking that what an incredible moment we are going through right now when Babaji basically tells Lahiri Mahashaya what's his dharma is going to be and he shouldn't even doubt in the future when many of us sometimes, you know, should I be doing this, should I be doing that, you know, this is the place where I belong and, you know, for, for Lahiri Mahashaya right now, stepping back into the world, going back to his family, to his responsibilities, with that knowing and understanding, like, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be perhaps pleasant, but this is my dharma and might as well embrace it and do it well because that's going to give hope to other people. And that's what we are going uh, to be called very soon to each one of us who are seriously dedicated to a spiritual path. We are here to help one another, to give hope, and to let people know that, you know, the beauty lies when we embrace our dharma. And our dharma is simply to do what we have to do and those things that are in front of us. And the fact they are still there means that they belong to us. There is something there for us to learn. And perhaps the only thing to learn is to learn to do it better. <laughs> because it's not enough sometimes to do it just well, I mean, if you can do it better, why not doing it better? And, and I was thinking that, like, wow, mm, the Dharma, this is what's happening here. Your guru tells you your Dharma and gives you the power so you don't give up or you don't abandon your Dharma, you know, halfway through, like you just stick to it all the way and and do your best. And I was thinking also, you know, like each master represents almost like an aspect of society, you know, like Lahiri Mahashaya in this particular way is the householder yogi. And as you were saying, nowadays, that's what we need the most. We need examples of how we too can live a very uplifted spiritual lifestyle where, again, we support and give hope to one another. So it's just very, I don't know, I love the fact that, you know, for, I was thinking as well, you know, Lahiri Mahashaya spends six days in Samadhi. Seven. Seven days in Samadhi. 
And then he comes back and he, you know, Babaji says, you have to go back. And he just have this little, you know, resistance. I mean, can I stay here? I mean, and this happens to us every single day, you know, in every meditation. We end our morning meditation and we always say, oh, do I need to come out? Do I need to face my family? Do I need to make breakfast? Do I need to go to this place? Do I need to go to work? So in a sense, what? Lahiri Mahashaya went through, we go through it daily because after we have this amazing still meditation, then right away we have to face the world and our responsibilities. But if Lahiri did it and he really achieved great states of consciousness and super consciousness, I think we at least give it a try ourselves as well. The last line of this paragraph with which we will close just so that we know where we were <clears throat> is from your balanced life they will understand that liberation is dependent on inner rather than outer mm -hmm. renunciations and again that's the you can say the way to god for this particular age is through that balanced life previously it was all about extremes you either had to completely reject what is in order to recreate a reality that's so different, the words outwardly renunciate, inwardly renunciate, you just have to reject it all because the pull, the darkening pull was much stronger. Now, as our own consciousness has begun to realize, as we see in everything, that it's behind our words and it's behind our actions, it's behind our perspectives, that the energy that enlivens it, that's what really matters. You can have people saying beautiful things to you, but what's behind that? It's not the words anymore, and we know it. It's the intention, it's the thought, it's the quality, it's the vibration of that word. And so right now, that's where we are, in that balanced reality. And we'll keep moving further and further in that direction. You will see that the outward monastic renunciate forms will begin to start to completely vanish. Perhaps a few will always remain because some have to hold on also to that particular power. But the majority back in even 100, 200, 300 years ago, that was the only way to do it. Now that's not true anymore. So find that balance in your own life. However, remember inner renunciation, it doesn't mean Balance doesn't mean inner renunciation is the balance. Inwardly, you have to learn to be free first. And then outwardly, it wouldn't matter so much. So work on that inner freedom. Follow the example of Lahiri Mahashaya. That's what Babaji asks of each of us, expects of each of us to shape and mold our lives more around Lahiri Mahashaya's example, interestingly, of all our gurus. So see if that perhaps can be, I don't know, a, a way for you to be attuning more to Babaji himself today is first to see what is he trying to show me through whom he awakened the Kriya energy once again in this world. There we Thank go.